John chapter 15 and verse 4. And Jesus said, actually it's in red letters. If you have a red letter edition of the Bible, it's in red letters, this whole chapter. And in verse 4, Jesus said, Abide in me, and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in me in the vine. No more can ye, except you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. So Jesus stated very clearly that we are to abide in him. We are to live in him. We are to uh, live in union with him. Now, when we say that, uh, we're talking about, of course, here Jesus is using this example of a vine and a branch. And he said that we are like uh, branches on a vine. Jesus being the vine, we're the branches. And then he tells us that we are to abide in him or live in him. Now, just this past week, just to give you a little background of where we're at, uh, this past week on Sunday morning, I taught on discipleship. I talked about the Great Commission as well. So we talked about going into all the world and preaching the gospel. And that being the responsibility of not just the pastor or the preacher or the evangelist uh, or the apostle or prophet. It is the responsibility of every believer, right? Mark chapter 16, go into all the world and preach the gospel. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. These signs shall follow them that believe. So believers, every believer is to go into the world and preach the gospel. Secondly, we talked about making disciples. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 28 uh, that we are to make disciples of all nations. And we are uh, to disciple people that actually get saved. We gave reference to uh, Peter, how he said, as newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word, that you may grow thereby. So uh, if a baby is born naturally, uh, they have to be nourished. They have to have the milk in order to grow and develop. Well, the same is true of a spiritual babe, uh, someone who gets born again. Jesus said, you must be born again. And what part of you is born again? There in the same chapter, John 3, he says, really, it's your spirit. He said, uh, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. And he said, marvel not that I said to you, you must be born again, meaning your spirit must be born again. So there is a spiritual birth as well as a natural birth. And natural children have to uh, be nourished, babies have to be nourished, and spiritual babies have to be nourished in order to thrive and live and uh, develop. And so, as Christians, uh, as babies in Christ, we want to help that process. Because somebody could have enough knowledge to be born again, accept Jesus, and, they, and make Jesus the Lord of their life, but that doesn't mean they have the knowledge in order to grow. And so in uh, this process of discipleship, people have to be fed. They have to be nourished. And like babies in the natural, uh, they have to have more attention than, uh, you know, somebody that's a, a teenager. Right? Uh, but you can't uh, ignore them either. You can't ignore children in their childhood state. You can't ignore teenagers because it's all a development process. 
And so they have to be taken care of in a different way. So spiritually, we have this uh, spiritual development process, and uh, we have to be discipled. And if we could do it all on our own, uh, then we would be able to do that. But according to the scripture, there needs to be assistance in that process. In other words, you need other people as well as knowing Jesus personally because you can be born again and not uh, really know what's happened in you or not know uh, what God has already done on the inside of you. And if you don't know that, then you don't live in the light of what you don't know. If you don't have light of the Word coming to you, then you don't walk in the light. And so as a, as a new child or baby is born spiritually, then we want to help take care of them, or we want to nurture them, and we want them to grow spiritually. Now, as a pastor, always my heart to see people grow. I don't like to see babies born into the kingdom of God and then really never progress, never go forward spiritually, never develop spiritually, and never produce fruit in their lives. But Jesus' goal here is that we would produce fruit. So we shared, Pastor Vicki and myself shared some last Sunday night, and uh, she was doing most of the presenting because uh, she had taken that responsibility on to work on the process. And uh, so we talked about uh, a get connected process. Number one, we have some classes called Get Connected with God. Get Connected with God goes through some three, three basic things, and, and we have three classes that help people to get established and to start on their journey, get saved, and then uh, develop and uh, mature, begin the maturity process and growth process. Well, if we as a church uh, help people get in that class, maybe they just get saved, they get in that class, or or uh, they, they haven't yet been filled with the Holy Spirit, they get in that class because we help them along those lines as well. And so you encourage everybody uh, is a participant in this uh, di uh, discipleship process. We all, as a family, as a church, are involved in the discipleship process. You may not be as involved in one person's discipleship as another person because you didn't have to get them saved or you didn't uh, meet them or connect with them on a personal level. So, But somebody has some influence in someone else's life. We all do, right? So everybody doing their part to encourage them to get in that class if they've not already done so. And then secondly, we have a Get Connected With Us class, which is our membership class. And that also we need to encourage people to get involved because we it's just a way, it's just a process whereby we can help people along in their discipleship uh, process. You follow me? And so you want them to grow. And so we encourage people to get involved in the uh, get connected with us class because then they find their place where, where, where they are in, in this church. Amen. And then next uh, we get, uh, we have a class or three classes as well uh, that are get connected with purpose. In other words, now you not only have found your place, but your purpose. In other words, as a Christian, you're in the body, you're part of the body, but you also have a supply in the body. 
And what can I do and how can I serve God's kingdom purpose and how can I do the will of God for my life, which then benefits other people's lives and we as a church, everybody doing their purpose or serving in their gifts and their callings. It's amazing what can happen in a church if we're all working together. We are encouraging one another, helping to disciple one another, and uh, encouraging people in their gifts and their callings, and everybody's doing their part, serving, giving, serving, doing what we are called to do. And you know, people are happier when they're doing what they're called to do. You know, uh, you just get happier when you're serving the Lord and doing the will of God. And so let's look at a few scriptures today that will give us a scriptural basis for what we're talking about. First of all, get connected with God. We just gave you a verse here. Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. He that abides in me and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit. So God's goal or Jesus' goal for you is that you produce fruit. You would be a fruit-bearing Christian. Now, part of your fruit bearing is not just your, uh, you know, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, meekness, temperance, and faith that is listed there in Galatians chapter 5. But also your fruit bearing is actually doing something that then produces an effect on someone else's life as far as your serving. Are you with me? Now, that other part is important because your serving needs to be laced with love and joy and peace and patience. In other words, you want to do it out of love. You want to do it with joy. You want to do it peacefully. You want to do what you do in serving God with the fruit of the Spirit. But you want to be productive. You want other people's lives to be influenced and affected by your fruit bearing. What is the purpose of a tree bearing fruit? It's not for the tree's benefit. It is for others' benefit, right? And so fruit bearing is not just for you. Now, you get to enjoy uh, living a life of peace and joy and so forth, but it's to bless and promote other people's spiritual growth and development as well. So here he says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. He that abides in me and I in him the same brings forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. Now, the counterpart to that is the Apostle Paul in, in uh, Philippians chapter 4. He said in verse 13, I can do what? All things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So we can do nothing without him that is of eternal value, but we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. Amen. All right, so here in this verse, I'm going to read it to you in another translation because sometimes translations just bring a, a little bit different uh, flavor to the verse and helps you to uh, grasp some things as well that Jesus is endeavoring to get across to us. And in, in the Weeds translation, it says, Maintain a living communion with me and I with you, just as a branch is unable to be bearing fruit from itself as a source. The branch cannot bear fruit from itself as a source. No, Jesus is the source. He's the source of life, just like the vine is a source of life to that branch. Jesus is a source of life. So we always have to maintain a living communion with Jesus in order to produce fruit or be fruitful. It says, unless it remains in living union with the vine, so neither you unless you maintain a living communion with me. So there's two aspects here. You're in union with Jesus through the new birth. You're born again. 
You're saved. Your spirit becomes one with his. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 17. He that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. So your spirit has been joined to Jesus through the new birth. You've received new life. You have the life of God on the inside of you. So you have this source of life that you're connected with, Jesus. Spiritually, you're connected with the vine. Are you with me? Well, then the other side of that is maintaining a living communion with the Father, living communion with Jesus. And a living communion has to do with your your fellowship with God. You fellowship with God through His Word, hearing the Word taught, preached. You fellowship with God by reading the Bible yourself, meditating on the Word of God yourself, spending time in the Word. And what does it do? It helps you get into the presence of God, doesn't it? Or live with an awareness, a consciousness of His presence in your life. Because it's one thing to be in union with Christ. It's another thing to know you're in union with Christ. And that comes through a communion with Him, through His Word, and through prayer, of course. You get into His presence through the Word. You get into His presence through prayer. Spending time in prayer causes you to access the presence of God. Or you're connecting with God, aren't you? Connecting with God. And so our goal as Christians is to maintain that living communion and connection with God. Now then, thirdly, of course, you praise, you worship God. That's another way that you maintain a living communion with God, isn't it? Here at church, but you don't just praise God at church. You praise God in your car while you're riding down the road. You worship God at home in your, in your place of living, where you live. You worship God in your life. It's not just something you do at church for 15, 20 minutes. It's something you do with your life. You're worshiping and praising God. This is just to help you get primed and ready for the week. Praise the Lord. And so uh, here you go as a worshiper of God. You're maintaining this living communion with God. You're maintaining the presence of God in your life. And we want to teach every believer to do that. Now you may have been used to a different style of worship, different style of praise, and everybody has their preferences. But everybody needs to learn to praise God. And you ought to be able to uh, uh, praise God uh, with different styles, different ways, different music, different styles, different songs. Uh, Because if if they're good, if they're blessing from heaven, you want to just receive the anointing that's on that song or on that singer, on that worship. But you also want to live a life of worship where you can worship God with nobody singing but you. In other words, I'm going to learn to be a Christian when nobody else is around. All right, so you, you're maintaining communion with God. You've learned to connect with God, and that's what we want people to do. Connect with God as believers on a daily basis, not just at church, but on a daily basis. Well, that takes development. It's not automatic. If it were automatic, everyone would have done it, and everybody would be a success as a Christian, and everybody would continue in their walk with God without anybody doing anything to help them. But that is not reality, and it's not scriptural as well. So we want to follow the scripture so we have developed this get connected with God class. Then secondly, get connected with us, meaning that now you are part of the body. Okay, let's look at some scriptures. Get connected with us here in Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. And we're going to go to verse 22. In Ephesians chapter 1, 
Uh, the verses before that, the Apostle Paul is praying a prayer. He talks about the hope of your calling, the riches of the glory of your inheritance in Christ and the saints, and the exceeding greatness of God's power that he wrought in Jesus when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places far above all principality and power. And then he says in verse 22, and hath put all things under his feet. Speaking of Jesus, because of the resurrection, God has put all things under his feet and has given him to be the head over all things to the what? Church, which is his body. The fullness of him that feels what? All in all. The fullness of him that feels all in all. Now Jesus is referred to here as the head of the what? Church. Well, then he tells you what the church is. He said in verse 23, which is his body. So the church is not a building. The church is not... Uh, you know, uh, 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 what, concrete and studs, uh, you know, which are the wood or metal studs or sheetrock or carpet or pews. It's not chairs. The church is people. The church is people. We are made up of people. And we are the body of Christ. He said, the church which is his body. So we're the body of Christ. We are the church. The church locally, the church as an individual church in the sense of we are a local church or many other local churches in our city. And then there's the universal church, right? So everybody needs to be a part of a local church because that's where you interact. That's where you connect. Connected with us. It's good to connect with God. You know, some people had the attitude, I love Jesus, I just can't stand people. And, but, you know, that's not God's attitude. That's not the way God thinks. God doesn't want us to be alone because we are made up of a body. And so as a body, the church being the body of Christ, we are to work together. We are to interact with each other. Now, how many used your hands this morning? If you didn't, I can see you're not raising your hand. All right, so raise your hand if you used your hands this morning. Now, your hands assisted other parts of your body, didn't they? Without your hands, you wouldn't have showered today. Or it would have been more difficult, right? Without your feet. You wouldn't have gotten here, or it would have been more difficult to get here. There's a lot of different parts of your body that we use constantly, but we're not thinking that much about it. You're not like pre-thought. You don't have to think, you know, some people that have, have a disability and something that uh, has happened in their physical body that would hinder their function. Uh, but yet, God designed the body... Originally, he designed the body to function efficiently, effectively, and every part complements other parts. Now, let's look at it in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, there's a discourse there that the Apostle Paul is talking about the gifts of the Spirit in the first part of the chapter, and then he talks about they work within the body. And so he talks about the body of Christ from verse 12 through the end of the chapter, pretty much. Almost the end of the chapter. 
We're just going to read beginning with verse 12. Verse 12, for as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. Let me read that again. For as the body is one, the body is one, has many members, all the members of that one body being many are one body. Then he says, so also is Christ. So he's taking this physical body and he's saying, this is a picture. Your body is a picture of the body of Christ. He's likening, just like Jesus illustrated, your union with Christ, your connection with Christ. He illustrated it with the vine and the branch. Here Paul is illustrating, giving the example of a physical body. And he says, even though your body has many parts, many members... It's just one body. Now, I mean, when you think of your hand, you say, that's part of my body. But it's one body. It's not like my hand and my arm are separate. No, I need my hand and my arm to be together. I need my foot and my leg to be together. I need all the parts to be together. And so when they're together, then they function. If they're disjointed or disconnected or cut off, then they're not functional. Because there is a, a function that has to have the connection in order to be able to function. And without that connection, that's why we need to be connected together. Connected with us. Connected as a body. Because we complement one another. We serve one another. We work together. And without being connected, then we lose our function. In other words, if your hand is severed, then your hand can no longer function. There was a, uh, a Brazilian young man who was attending Rhema Bible College, and he happened to be on a trip traveling to uh, California from Oklahoma, and the vehicle turned over. His hand was severed for many hours. I think, actually, a lot of hours. His hand was severed. Naturally, they would not be able to get that hand back on, and it lived. I mean, it was a miracle. They were able to uh, reattach his hand, and through a number of surgeries, he, his hand began to function. He was able to function. So he's a living miracle, a testimony to medical science and also to God's grace because it took it beyond medical science. So, but he was not able to function. So he was here, and we served him. We uh, went to the hospital, and uh, we were able to uh, minister to the family and so forth. And so he was able to experience a miracle in his life. Now, without his hand connected, he would not be able to function. And eventually that hand dies. That's why. And it, part of the miracle uh, is that it was severed so many hours that naturally it wouldn't have lived. And he wouldn't have been able to uh, have that hand work ever. But God did a miracle. All right, so here, in this case, as the body of Christ, we have to be connected. Just like you want to connect with God, you need to connect with other members of the body because we are one body. No matter what race, no matter what culture, no matter how rich or how poor, the rich and poor meet together, God is the maker of them all. That's what the scripture says. So, in other words, it doesn't matter the diversity, we're all one in Christ. 
And God makes us one through the blood of Jesus, joins us together as one body. Let's go to verse 13. For by one spirit we're all baptized into one body. That's really referring to the new birth. You're baptized into one body. Whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, we've been all made to drink into one spirit. So whether Jew or Gentile, black or white, Asian, Hispanic, doesn't matter what nationality, doesn't matter uh, what culture, what background, what family you were born into and and what relationships you have you if you're born again you're part of the family of God or you're part of the body of Jesus and we should embrace everyone who is a part of the body of Christ we should love people the same amen all right let's go to the next verse for for the body is not one member but many now listen to the language the body is not one member In other words, it's not just one part. The body is not one member. In other words, you can't say, my hand is the body. No, your hand is a part of the body. Right? If you you want to uh, disprove me, then you cut your hand off and we'll see if that's the body. No, it's not the body. If you take your hand off, it's no longer the body. It was a member of the body, and it was a part of the body, and the body is one. But once it's severed, it's no longer going to function because it needs the rest of the body in order to function. The blood flows throughout the whole body. And so it has to connect with the other members of the body in order to fulfill its function. Let's go further. Verse 15, so let's just say, number one, we are the body of Christ. Everybody say it with me. We are the body of Christ. So in other words, you alone are not the body of Christ. You are part of the body of Christ. So you need other members of the body in order to be what you're called to be. Next verse, verse 15, if the foot shall say, because I'm not the hand, I'm not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? If the ear shall say, because I'm not the eye, I'm not of the body. Is it therefore not? Not of the body. In other words, sometimes we feel like we're not enough. Or we're not valuable. Our part is not important. Well, here, basically, he's saying the foot can't say, because I'm not the hand, I'm not of the body. No, you, you, the body of Christ needs you. Right? The body of Christ needs you. You're important. Don't ever think that you're unimportant because the devil likes to highlight your inadequacies. He likes to tell you how you're not enough or you're not valuable enough or you don't fit in or uh, you don't connect. I mean, it's one of the things he works on in people's minds and thoughts that they don't fit in. They're not accepted. They, They don't connect with this church. Well, you can. Anybody can. You can connect. You can feel acceptance, and you can know that there is a place for you. So you want to get in his presence, but you always also want to get in your place. So here he talks about getting in your place. I mean, your hand is in the right place. I mean, if your hand was on your foot, I mean, if you had one hand over here, and then you had a a, a foot on this side, and then you had a, 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 a foot up here, now you just wouldn't look right, right? Doesn't function the same. Then you got to walk on side. You know, it's God didn't create you that way. God created you to have certain parts in certain places in order for you to function at your highest potential. 
And if everybody is in their place, the best place for you to be is in your place. Because there's always grace for your place. There's grace for the gifts and the callings of God and where you fit in the body of Jesus. So don't ever compare yourself with somebody else. Paul said, if we compare ourselves among ourselves, we're not wise. In other words, if you compare yourself with someone else, you're going to either think you're less than or you're more than. I'm preaching better than you. Amen. I said... If you compare yourself with other people, you're going to usually either think you're less than or you're more than. So it either produces pride or it produces, like, I'm not enough, inferiority. So we don't want either either of those. Everybody's place is important. Your place is the best place for you to be. And your part is your part to play. And you just do what God created you to do and be who God created you to be. Are you with me? So the body of Christ actually needs you. You're valuable to the body. Let's go to verse 17. If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? But now God hath set the members, every one of them, in the body as it has pleased him. So God made you a part of the body as it pleases him. Let's go to verse 19. And if they were all one member, where were the body? But now you're... Many members, yet one body. So there are many diverse members in the body, but you're still one body in Christ. Verse 21. And the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee. In other words, you need the body of Christ. Don't ever think that I don't need them. So the devil either try to get you to think you're not needed, or he'll try to get you to think I don't need them. So either way, what does it do? It divides. It it causes people to be divided from one another. God is not a divider. He's a uniter. The devil is a divider. A house divided against itself cannot stand. But God unites people with a divine purpose. So our third thing is, our class, is get connected with purpose. Because we are united for a purpose. So we want to not only get in our place, we want to fulfill our function. For example, as, a, as your legs are made to function and made to carry you around, if you don't use your legs, after a while your legs won't carry you around. Even though your legs were healthy. A number of uh, years ago, Quite a number of years ago, uh, I was running and I jumped and kind of leaped down uh, a couple of stairs. It's just kind of sometimes my personality when it comes to physical uh, action. And, and so I just jumped instead of going, walking down the steps. Unwise for me. Don't look at me like you've never done anything. All right. So, all right. Unwise, but I did it. And I just leaped off. And when I hit on this leg, when I hit that ground, Ah, I felt something. (laughs) So this knee didn't want to function the same after that. Of course, I was believing God, trusting God, and and I eventually went to the doctor and so forth. They couldn't, uh, you know, the uh, pictures didn't show up clear enough. They, They couldn't see it. All right, anyway, I'm healed. And it's restored. So thank God for that. I'm healed, I'm restored, but 
The reality was it wasn't functioning the way it was designed. It was there. And what you do, generally, if you injure yourself, you start babying it. Y'all know what I'm talking about. You start babying it. In other words, you don't, uh, many times, don't let it do what it should have done. Finally, I was doing therapy and it helped to get the movement the way it should have been all along. I should have done the therapy, my mistake, right? Should have done the therapy earlier, and it would have been an easier process. But, you know, just doing what you do, pushing on through, right? So I didn't do it. So, But eventually I did do it, and it helped me get the motion like it should be again. Well, even though I got my legs, it's not functioning like it should be. If you don't use your leg, then it doesn't function properly. You lose muscle instead of gain it. And so as a Christian, if you're not using it, you lose it. In other words, if you don't actively engage the part that you have, then you lose ground, so to speak. You're you're wanting to be effective, but yet if you're not using what you have, the gifts, the anointing, the grace that is on your life, if you don't use it, then you lose it. You become ineffective. All right, so we want to use all the parts. We want everybody to function together, right? All right, let's go to Ephesians. And we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 4 this time. Ephesians chapter 4, and we'll begin with verse 15. Ephesians 4, verse 15. So we're still looking at and kind of inter, uh, connecting them. We're still looking at get connected with us. You're connecting with God. You're connecting with us. Thank you, Jesus. And you're going to connect with purpose. Now, in verse 15, it says, But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. Now, Jesus is referred to as the head. Again, in this verse. Remember in Ephesians 1? It was the head. Jesus is the head. Which, and we, the body, are connected to the head. So here in this verse, he says that speaking the truth in love may do what? Grow up. Look at your neighbor and say, grow up. You need to do it better. Say, grow up. All right. So we need to encourage each other to grow up in Christ. Speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in what? All things. All right, growing up into Christ. Now, when we grow up in Christ, he is the head. Jesus is the head. Now, let's go to verse 16. From whom? From Christ. So he's connecting to Jesus ahead. Jesus is ahead, and from Christ, the whole body. Everybody say the whole body. Whole body, meaning every member of the body, the whole body, fitly joined together. And compacted by that which every joint supplies. The whole body is fitly joined together. And every joint has a supply according to the effectual working in the measure of every part. So every part has a supply. And every part should have an effectual working. In other words, this every part is actually working. The effectual working in the measure of every part makes what? Increase of the body 
unto the edifying of itself in love. So then the body gets edified. There's an increase that occurs, spiritual increase, fruitfulness. In other words, now we are being disciple. We're making disciples. We're actually producing fruit. That's what we're after, right? Jesus said, if you abide in me, you get that connection with God. Then you get that connection with the body of Christ. You're getting in your place. You got in his presence. You're getting in your place. You find your purpose and you begin your function. And you bring your supply. Everybody say supply. All right, so you're given a supply. There is a supply. Every joint has a supply. There's an effectual working in the measure of every part. Every part functioning the way it's supposed to. So I'll use another illustration. Uh, you know, back in uh, July, end of July, I was hit with Bell's palsy in my face. Well, I went to the hospital. The doctor says the seventh nerve was inflamed. That's what they say. The seventh nerve that's on your brainstem was inflamed. Well, then that hindered the connection between the nerve and the muscle. So all the muscles in your face, all of the different muscles, you find out how many you got. You know, not exactly, but, you know, there's a lot of muscles that move your face. Man, so they weren't working. And that's not fun for anybody. So that's not working. You look in the mirror, it's just not working. This side's working. This side's not working. And so I'm starting to speak to those nerves. And I'm starting to speak to those muscles. And I started speaking perfect soundness. Now, what's going on? This nerve is not able to communicate to this muscle or these muscles. Are you with me? So there's something that's interfering with the connection. Inflammation. So sometimes in the spiritual body, there's things that are interfering with the communication. And the devil likes to mess up communication. Because if he can mess up communication, he can mess up the function of the body. So, thank God, hallelujah, my nerves work. Thank God, my seventh nerve is communicating. Thank God, those muscles are responding. And I'm able to communicate to you this morning as a result because of the Word. Hallelujah. Because we believe God, trust God, and God is faithful. Amen. Now, for the sake of time, I'll shorten up my story. Basically, I'm saying there has to be some communication. There has to be a connection. Are you with me? The nerve's there. There's just an interruption or a hindrance to its flow. The muscles are there. There's just an interruption to the communication. So there is a source, and his name is Jesus, of life. And his life, just like your blood flows, the life of the flesh is in the blood. Your blood flows through every part of your body in order for your body to function. You shut the blood off and that part of your body does not function because it has no life. So the blood of Jesus and the life of Jesus flows throughout or circulates throughout the body of Christ in a local church setting. And so... When that blood is flowing freely, then every member being in its place receives the blood and also gives the blood. 
In other words, it comes to, but it flows through. And so the way we are to function as a body is that we are to draw from the head Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ, as the source, and then let that life flow through us, and then it flows through so it can go to another member of the body of Christ. It comes through gifts. It comes through callings. It comes through the life of Jesus. It comes through the love of God. And all the different aspects of Jesus are flowing through us and bringing the supply necessary to other members of the body so that we're all thriving, living, and functioning in our purpose. Which brings me to get connected with purpose. So we have three classes on Get Connected with Purpose. Your purpose is your destiny. Your purpose, where do I fit now? What do I do with where I fit? I mean, you can have your hand, but if you don't use your hand. How many have told your children to brush their teeth more than once? Right. Why? Because maybe they're lazy or they didn't want to do that. So you told them, you brush your teeth, wash your hands. How many told your kids? Numerous times. Who who knows how many times? Wash your hands. Why? Because you don't want those germs transferred to your mouth. All right, so wash your hands. So as uh, as a Christian, you can have all the parts. But if you don't do something with the part that you are, right? Right? If you don't use your hands, you don't use because your hands minister to your mouth. And if you minister to your mouth, brush your teeth, it ministers to other people. Are you with me? And so your ministry, serving, doing, it brings blessing to you. And the happiest place for you to be is in your place, serving in your grace and fulfilling your purpose. Now, in Philippians chapter 2, we'll just look at that verse and then we'll close. Philippians chapter 2. It says, for it is God which works in you. Verse 13, for it is God which works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. God is working in you. Now, in the uh, Barclay translation, it says, for it is God who is at work in you to put into you the will to desire and the power to achieve what his purpose has planned for you. It is God who works in you. What? To put a desire on the inside of you. Now read it again. He says, into you the will to desire and then also the power to achieve. In other words, God gives, and the end of it says, to achieve what his purpose has planned for you. So God doesn't give you a purpose to frustrate you. In other words, You have a dream, you have a purpose, and he just did that to just mess with you. No, he gave you a dream. He put his will, his desire in you so that you could actually achieve it. He gives you the ability to perform it, to do it, to carry it out, to fulfill his purpose for your life. God didn't give the hand so it could just sit there. God gave the hand to function. God gave you different parts on your body to function. They all have their purpose. They have their place and they have their purpose. And so as a Christian, you have your place in the body. You're valuable. God needs you in the body. Other people need you. You need the body. 
but you also have your purpose and your reason for being in that place and your serving capacity. And so the Holy Spirit will give you a desire. And many times your place has to do with a desire. Your purpose has to do with a desire. If you'll just listen and pay attention to a desire, how can I serve? Where can I serve? Somebody was saying to me uh, just the other day, they just said, you know, I kind of feel like I'm, I, I should be doing evangelistic work. I said, well, have you ever considered being a part of the reach? There you go. That's a way you can do it. Well, I believe I'm maybe called to preach. I said, well, have you considered being a part of the prison ministry? You can start your preaching ministry. Right there. There's a way. You can teach in the prisons. I mean, Pam here has been teaching, preaching in the prison for years. Preaching the gospel, getting people saved, filled with the Holy Spirit, delivered, set free, restored in fellowship with God. Just amazing grace. So you can start where you're at. Don't just dream so big that it's way out 20 years from now. Now dream like it's right in front of you. In other words, what does your hand find to do? Find something that can help you to fulfill your purpose and the thing that moves your heart or causes you to have compassion. For people, move in that direction. Feed the homeless. It's amazing. People are getting fed, but they're getting preached to. They're loving, loving those people. Or find some way. There's all kinds of places in this church that you could function to fulfill that desire that motivates you. Something inside of you wants to help people, right? And so your serving could be, uh, you know, as an ambassador, serving people, greeting people, because you like people. If you don't, if you don't like to meet people. Maybe it's not for you, or maybe you need to get out of your box, right? Maybe you, maybe you should be in the choir, but if you can't sing, you know, don't, don't do that. Do something else. You follow me? Find something that fits your gift, your calling. Thank you, Jesus. So Holy Spirit would put you in your place, but it help you to fulfill your purpose. And you know what it does? It edifies the whole body. Everybody gets blessed. How many of you got blessed this morning when Lavinia sang that song? Well, the devil tried to knock her out of her place. He tried to take away from her because he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He tried to take away from her part of her gifting and calling, but he didn't. Hallelujah. He, he didn't win. Jesus won. Amen. And she wins. And we win. You win. The devil may try to get you off course and get you out of place, out of sorts, but you said, no, I'm getting in his presence. I'm getting, I'm going, I'm going to get in my place and I'm going to fulfill my purpose. Hallelujah. Thank you for joining us at Word of Life Christian Center, where we seek to move upward in prayer and worship, inward in discipleship, and outward in evangelism. We are so excited that you decided to connect with what God is doing here. And if you want to learn more, go to wordoflifelv.com.